Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Wealth Journal podcast with me, Jay Hardy. I'm not going to lie. Each week, I do panic a little bit about this podcast. Just before I do an episode or I record, I have that little voice inside my head asking me, Jay, why? Why are you doing this to yourself? Um, Because let's face it, you know, I'm putting myself out there. I'm speaking to an audience of whoever. I don't know necessarily know who the listeners are. And it is a little bit nerve wracking at times. But I think, you know what? People are enjoying it. The downloads have been going up. I think we've reached around about 300 downloads now for the show, which is which is amazing. And I just think, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just let's just do it and see what happens. So it's been good fun so far, and we'll we'll keep we'll keep doing it. Honestly, the thought of people sat there listening to to my voice for 25, 30 minutes sometimes is um is bizarre. Uh, not as bizarre as actually recording the episodes. Literally, just picture me in my living room with a microphone talking to myself. And if you want to just try what that feels like, just do it. Just just set up a voice recorder on your phone and just, just talk about a random topic for, for even just 30 seconds and you'll appreciate what it's like. Hopefully it gets easier. I'm told it does, but we'll find out. We'll find out. Anyway, I don't think you've tuned in to, to listen to me talk about my fears of podcasting. I guess you want to find out what's in my wealth journal this week. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Point one in my wealth journal this week is compounding. I've briefly talked about compounding in a few of the previous episodes, but I think compounding in itself is worthy of its its own point in the wealth journal this week because compound or compound interest from an investing point of view is probably one of the single biggest things to get your head around. The power of compounding is incredible. Understanding it and even calculating it yourself really helps to see how huge sums of wealth can be obtained through almost small but frequent amounts of, of investments, a fairly decent interest rate over time can can grow to be to be huge. So I used to understand the power of compounding and, and what actually compound growth meant, but never really appreciated its power from an investing point of view. And I guess throughout my journey of understanding more about investing and wealth, actually getting my head around compounding has been absolutely crucial in terms of understanding how you can grow wealth over time. Now, essentially, compounding is interest on your interest. So let's think about it this way. Let's say I invest £100 and it grows 10% in a year to £110. Next year, it grows another 10%. That's not another £10 because this year, it's my £110 that's growing. So it grows by £11, taking you to 121 And then let's say that £121 continues to grow for the next eight years and compounded annual growth rate of 10% each year. That measly £100 over eight years at 10% would have more than doubled to £260. £100 isn't a huge amount of money, of course. But let's say you invest your £100 a month and do it consistently each month and earn an average annual rate of 10%. So you're basically putting in £1,200 a year. After 10 years at 10%, your £100 a month invested consistently would be worth over 22000 After 20 years, it will be 76000 after 30 years, 218,000. And after 40 years, 585,000 pounds. 
Now, of course, the difficulty of that is for you to just continually be consistently investing every single month without fail and also achieving that golden 10% return every single year, which, of course, is is difficult to do. Some years you might achieve more, some years you might achieve less. But when we've talked about the S&P 500, for example, as an index, that's on average the last 10 years has done around about uh, 12, 13%. So, you know, it's a fairly modest, modest interest rate. But let's take it a step even further. So let's say here in the UK, we can invest £20,000 a year into uh, an ISA, whether that be a cash ISA or a stocks and shares ISA, tax-free. So any gains from that are tax-free. Okay, so that's a huge amount of money to invest every single year, but you know some people can afford that. Maybe it's, let's say it's £1,000 a month, but then also you get a bonus each year. So we've changed our £1,200 a year investment to 20000 Big jump. But let's look at the numbers. And let's, let's assume in this example, you match the performance of the S&P 500 over the last uh, five years, which has been around about 15, actually, it's been exactly 15.27% because I've got it written down here. Um, so in 15 years, you would be worth 1.1 million. So there you go. A millionaire after 15 years. 15 years isn't even a long time, not when you're an adult and you no longer just care about birthdays and Christmas. Time goes, it goes pretty quick. After 30 years, that would be 10 million, providing you continue to invest. 30 years, 10 million. And this is why we have sort of stocks and shares millionaires kicking around. They do do exist. So by increasing the amount you invest, the percentage return, and also investing over a long period of time, it can have a huge, huge impact. There's an old fable in a book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. Um, I think I've mentioned that book on a previous episode. But basically, it's talking about compound interest. And the story goes that this very rich man on sort of um, his, his, his deathbed is, is speaking to his two younger sons. And essentially, his final act is to try and educate them on the power of, really on the power of compounding. And he, he, gives, them a, he gives them a choice and one of the choices is that they can have a million dollars pretty much transferred straight into their their account. The other the other option is that his his butler will will keep a penny in a box and every single day for the next 31 days he will double the contents of the money in that box. Now one of the sons doesn't really think about the question he pretty much th- he sees the million dollars and takes it immediately because he's like right i can do so much with this money hires fund managers investors and a team to start trying to see if he can beat the market and double the money and over the course of sort of 30 days he ends up pretty much losing all that money in, in fees and things like that now the other son picks the picks the box with the penny and the contents of the box will double every day for 31 days so at the end of the 31 days, the, the, the son who had the million, he's lost it. The son who has the penny in the box, when he comes to the box, the butler opens it, there's over 10 million pounds. So 1p doubled every day for 31 days would equate to, to over 10 million. And that, that is the power of compounding. Now, when I read that story, the first thing I thought about was the casino and Russian roulette, you know, red or black, double money, but... I don't think that's um, that's possible. Now, it's because of stories like this and 
and what compounding can do over time in terms of multiplying wealth that sort of provoked Einstein to say that compound interest is is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it earns it and he who doesn't pays it. And Einstein isn't the only smart person that understands the power of compound interest. And he makes a good point because it also has its drawbacks. Now let's say you're on the other side of the coin. You're paying interest on a loan. And each year that loan isn't getting paid. It's compounding over time. The loan's getting getting bigger. The repayments are probably going to be getting higher. So let's say you had a credit card that had over 20% interest. Just imagine what that could do compounded over time. So I think when it comes to growing investments via compounding, you've got to have patience. And when avoiding debt compounding, you've got to have speed, pay it off. And also, I guess the frustrating thing with compounding is that the benefits tend to come right at the end. And if you look at the example of the penny in the box, you know it doesn't take you long to sort of think, well, 1p, then 2p, then 4p, then 8p. You know, the, the, very, the, the early days in that process are not very rewarding. But then once you get to sort of day 30 and you're at 5 million, day 31, it's 10 million. The benefits are, are massive. I know a lot of people sort of um, maybe speak to investors like Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger who are in the 90s now like they're sort of asking the questions of how do I become rich like you but but not old and sometimes age and time just has to play out and that's that's compounding like I'm sticking on the theme of Warren Buffett I know I talk about him quite a lot but he actually didn't become a billionaire we think of Warren Buffett as this hugely successful billionaire which he is but he didn't actually become a billionaire until he was 50 years old and his largest wealth gains have come sort of after he turned 60. And really in the last 10 years have been his, his biggest wealth gains. So, yeah, compounding is definitely something where you receive the benefits always at the end. Now, I use compounding to help weigh up financial purchases. And I use something called the £500 game. And yes, I've invented it myself. So I know that if I invest £500 over 35 years and achieve a a compounded annual growth rate in line with the market, say 13%, that £500 in 35 years' time, so when I'm pretty much due to retire, will be worth £36,000. So I ask myself, when it's a big branded purchase of something that maybe I don't really need but I just want, do I want to spend £500 now or do I want £36,000 when I retire. And um, yeah, I guess that is really thinking in advance. But think about what you could do with that money when you're in your 60s. You could take the entire family away on a holiday, take them to Disneyland, whatever it may be. So yeah, I do that as a bit of a test on whether I should go ahead with that purchase. And that is the £500 game. There you go. Enjoy. Now, you've probably heard about compound interest before. It's not new, but maybe this is the first time you'll you'll actually act on it. And from a financial point of view, and of course, this is not financial advice, but if you can consistently, consistently invest a fixed amount every single month and try and achieve a highest interest rate as possible, but not being greedy at the same time, then it can have a, a huge benefit to your to your future future wealth. And time, of course, plays a huge role. The su- a huge role. The sooner you do it, the better. There's an old Chinese proverb that says, "The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today." So, what are you waiting for?
Now, I play with a compound interest rate calculator online, and um, I've just heard that sentence back, and that sounds quite... Yes, there's probably better things I could be doing with my time um, than playing with a compound interest rate calculator online. I guess this is the point of the Wealth Journal. I sit there and do these these things that nobody else would do and then share them with you on the Wealth Journal. But yeah, maybe I'll cut that out. But basically, I, I find it really, really useful to, because I'm quite goal orientated to, to sit there and maybe just play with a compound interest rate calculator online. You can, and I'll, I'll put a link to the one that I use in the in the show notes. If you ever, if you ever find yourself at a loose end on a Saturday night, you can, um, you can have a go. But it's um, quite a useful tool to think. Right, okay, let's just say I'm going to invest, you know, hundred pounds a month for the next, you know, however many years, and I'm going to achieve a a rough in, in, you know, interest rate of 10%, you can start to just calculate what that would look like. What would your potential future wealth be over a certain period of time? Let's say you increased it to £150 or 200 or whatever. You can um, you can see the potential future gains. So I think it's quite useful. And you can also put a, put a variance in there of, say, plus or minus 2%. So you can see sort of a, a best case or a worst case scenario. Uh, there's also something called the rule of 72, and I'm not going to go into that today, but if you are interested, then then look that up. One of the great things about compounding is that it doesn't just apply to investments or money, but it can actually apply to all aspects of your life, whether that be your relationships with your friends, your family, your work colleagues. The more effort you put into them relationships, the more that they can compound over time. A good example of this would be your reputation. If you focus on on building a positive reputation for yourself, whether that be in business, then over time, over time, that will bring a compounded benefit. When you interact with people later on in life, and you've you've built up that reputation, business just becomes easier. Interacting with each other becomes much easier and freer, and takes less time because you can trust that person, and that builds and builds and builds. For any sort of particular skill, whether that be um, Public speaking, for example, the more you do public speaking, the better you get, and that will again compound over time. A good example is in sport. Let's take Roger Federer as an example, and you look at his backhand. Probably one of the one of the greatest shots in tennis. I mean, let's face it, it's majestic. Now, if I was to ask Roger Federer, how do I replicate your backhand? He might be able to scramble around with a few tips and tricks, but the reality is that he's been practicing that backhand pretty much ever since he started playing tennis. And the steps he's taken over his career, whether that be having tons of coaching in the early days, practicing against a wall as a kid, playing tons and tons of tournaments, and then eventually playing against the best players in the world, has allowed him to hone his backhand into one of the greatest shots in tennis. That wasn't something that happened overnight, but it's something that compounded over time. And I think sometimes in today's world, we, we look at, at people's successes and almost see it through a very narrow lens and think like, how do I get there today? When in actual fact, it's probably going to take time. You know, there are very few quick fixes in life. And I've, I've mentioned get rich quick schemes as well on previous podcasts. So patience, time is, is what will get you there. So compounding brings me nicely onto the second point I have in my wealth journal this week, which is saving for your children. Now, I've got a couple of kids, and I guess when they were born, we set up savings accounts for them. And the good thing is with, with kids' savings accounts is that banks tend to offer quite 
quite decent rates, to be fair. For a savings account these days, you can get around about 3.5%. Now, the only problem is with some of these savings accounts is that you can only put in a certain amount each each year or each month to get that interest rate. So if you're if you sort of putting away a decent amount of money, you tend to get a little bit less. So that brings me on to some of the cash ices that you can get for for kids. And these tend to be locked away for for 18 years. The, the child can only access them when they turn 18. And um, yeah, for some kids, you probably wouldn't even want that to happen. But if it, you know, essentially that's when they become an adult. So not much you can do about it. But you'll get around about 2.5% at the moment for, for the kids' cash ices or the junior ices, which really isn't actually that much when you take into account inflation. So I was looking at this and doing a bit of bit of maths and looking at my um, compound interest rate calculator and the thought, really for a child with a time horizon of around 18 years, would it not be better if I place that money more in a stock, you know, in a stocks and shares ice or something that can actually put that money to work over the next 18 years, especially with that, you know, like I say, with that long-term time horizon. So I very much changed my approach when it comes to saving for my children and actually trying to put that money to work, you know, investing it in potentially in, in the stock market, in, in indexes or whatever it may be. And I think that's, um, yeah, hopefully that'll pay out for them in the in the long term. Now, of course, this isn't financial advice. This is just something that, that I'm doing with my children. But you never really know. And I appreciate parents might want to have the cash there for maybe certain birthdays or life events. You might want to take them to Disneyland with that money or whatever it may be. So it's very much dependent on what what your family circumstances are and how you view that money for your children. Now, for me, I'd like to try and save that money for them, make it work as hard as possible that when they're old enough, they could they could potentially you know, use that to invest themselves. So my view is to try and grow that pot of cash as much as I can without potentially, you know, risking it all on some some stock or some crypto coins. So that's my approach. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm gonna do. And um yeah, I guess there's no right or wrong answer for that. But what I have done is that I've looked at some junior ices that are currently out there at the moment. Now Vanguard have one. I mentioned Vanguard on the on the previous podcast. They've got a junior ISA. I'll put the link in the show notes. And there's also a company called Wealthify, which do a really cool sort of online platform that allows you to invest sort of on a, a regular monthly basis into uh, a junior stocks and shares ISA. So have a have a look at them. And uh, yeah, maybe you know you might be setting your children on a path to wealth. But of course you might not. Who knows? Not financial advice. Okay, so the final point in my wealth journal this week is crypto. Now, crypto was making the headlines last week as Bitcoin reached a brand new all-time high of $67,000. I think that was around about £48,000 per coin. And Ethereum, which is the leading altcoin or alternative coin, and that basically means anything other than Bitcoin, has also been pushing new all-time highs as well. So the space has been has been on fire, and um, yeah, of course, it gets people people a little bit excited. The actual crypto market now, at the time of recording, is around about well, it's worth around about two point five trillion dollars, and the growth in crypto the sort of last, I guess, six to twelve months has been has been massive and now we've seen that leading banks and financial institutions from sort of traditional finance are really starting to pay attention you know the likes of Goldman Sachs who had a report back in May to say crypto is basically 
you know, the new emerging asset class. Bank of America on the 4th of October released a, a 140-page report on, on crypto, covering a huge amount of content around all different aspects of crypto. And they see that the space now really is too big to ignore. And you'll you'll see that a lot of these huge sort of financial institutions are now starting to get some of their quite high net worth and wealthy clients exposure onto crypto because they're they're really demanding it. They want to get involved in the space. They want to see some of these high returns. Now, what I will say is that this point in my wealth journal, I'm not necessarily going into a huge amount of detail on crypto. And I'm going to sort of save that for some later podcasts that I've got planned. But what I will say, and what I was sort of thinking this week is very much that if you're into investing, you want to start building your asset column. Cryptocurrencies, I believe, are becoming that that emerging asset class. It's a way for you to potentially store wealth. It's also a way for you to invest in certain projects that, that are sort of in and around the crypto space. So my only advice at this stage isn't to go out and buy any, any crypto or any certain coins, but it's just start to you know, have your eyes and ears open to the crypto space. Maybe start trying to educate yourself around it if, you, if you're interested in it. Because I think that um, as, a, as a sort of fundamental technology, the underlying blockchain technology of crypto is very exciting. And blockchain as a technology has been pretty much the fastest adopted technology that we've seen since the internet. It's actually on a faster adoption curve than than the internet was when, when we first sort of discovered and created that and what i will say is that the internet although amazing now and it's changed all our lives it wasn't completely smooth sailing was it really i mean we if you look at the early days around the sort of early 2000s we had the dot-com bubble and then the dot-com crash as a lot of sort of internet companies fell by the wayside but there was there was also you know huge ones um that have benefited from that so yeah, at this point, I just advise people to to just be aware of the space and see what happens. And start to form your own opinions on, on whether you believe crypto is a is currently just a, a big bubble or something that's here to stay for the long term. So this has been episode five of the Wealth Journal. Thanks again for listening. Now this week I've never asked never asked the listeners for anything on the podcast, but this week I'm gonna ask for some payment. And the payment is that I would like you to help me compound this podcast if every listener can just tell one friend one relative one family member whoever it may be who you think will benefit from listening to the wealth journal who might find it um, insightful or take something from it then please just pass on the podcast to that one person and that will help a bit like that penny in the box will help the podcast grow and uh, hopefully we can reach more we can reach more per um, more people and they can join me and you on our path towards towards wealth. A few people have actually, have actually asked me, um, what is this wealth journey? You know, is it a book get you writing or whatever? And yeah, it, it is a book. I carry it around in a briefcase, a bit a bit like the Chancellor of the Exchequer when he's carrying the budget round. It's in this highly protected briefcase that I walk around in. So if you see me out and about, then you'll know. And you know, if I've got the briefcase with me, then that, that's the wealth journal right there. I'll let you decide whether that's true or not. Once again, thanks for listening. And of course, yeah, please pass on the pod. And um, I'll put some uh, some of the links from, from today's episode in the in the show notes. And if you want to reach out, get in touch with me, ask me any questions, then please do. A few of you have, have, have done that you know, a number of times, which has been fantastic. Also, if, if 
if you listen to the podcast and you don't actually know who I am and you're not just one of my friends and family that are listening to it because I've been hassling you to do so, um, yeah, reach out. It'd be great. It'd be great for me to uh, to connect with with people that I don't know that are that are listening to the to the Wealth Journal podcast. So please do that as well. And uh, yeah, speak to you next week. Take care. Goodbye. <laughs>